Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Enjoyed uh, some time with uh, not a ton going on, although your weekends are becoming limited before the start of the college football season. Four weeks from this past Saturday, we will have the full first Saturday of the college football season. If you're counting down to week zero, it's just three weeks from this past Saturday. Nineteen days. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it is getting here. There he is. There's Brian Haydad, excited and all bubbly looking when he hears that number inside 20 days. This is uh, Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Love to hear from you on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from ceasefire the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer-inspired. Hey, Dad. What's up, brother? I mean, 19 days feels like we could reshuffle all these conferences one more time. Let's just put everybody's name in a hat and see where you're playing next year. That would be an interesting way to go about that exercise. No, no strategy yeah. involved, just... just well, at, at this rate, to be stayed to the Big Twelve, Ole Miss to the ACC. Let's make it happen. At this rate, that, that's where things are headed. Pete Thamel reporting that the ACC is uh, going to meet to consider Stanford and Cal to the Atlantic Coast Conference. You know, if you're a believer that there is no wall around the oceans, and so that there's only really one giant ocean, I mean. It could just be the Atlantic. They're they're all connected. You can take a boat for, uh, from you can, you the never Boston have to Harbor, stop. and you can go all the way around the world to get to Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. You can. Hold on. It's doable. Oh, hold on. Just fact-checking you quickly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that works. You can do it. You can leave Nova Scotia and go to the east and then go south, you know, split South America and Way Africa, south. Go south of Africa. Way south. South of Australia, then start kind of working your way back up. What's the difference? Why, why are we going the long way? Why are we going past Africa and Australia? Just loop back around South America and come up. 
Well, you could do that. I, I mean, I was just Go looking about penguins. going east to get west. He's, he's, he's going to have us taking a year to get there. We at least I mean, were only look, taking six months. Just, you know, trying to Jacques Cousteau it. I just want to see the sights on my way. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, I've never been south of the tip of Africa. The Life Aquatics with Richard Cross. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just split the difference between Australia and New Zealand and then head north and uh, take a turn east somewhere along the way, and then there you are. You can see the basically the trees if you just mere woods. If you're in Boston and you just start sailing, you know, right, you get there eventually. Well, you you, you got to go. You, you got to take some south in there. Yeah, you got to make a couple of right turns. You take a, you take another. You take you take two rights, and then you'll figure it out. You let the current take you. You'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> let the current take you. Yeah, I, I don't fine. think the travel is going to be that bad. But uh, yeah, that'd be a a long trip. If uh... now, Stanford and Cal fit more in the ACC than anywhere else that they could possibly land at this point. Uh, aside from a merger with the Mountain West, I suppose. <laughs> what a statement! I mean, uh, but but what I'm so but no 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 no. I mean, in terms of fit, like the type of school they are, the type sure. of athletics program they are, the type of budget they have, they fit more with the schools that are in the ACC than they do anybody that's in the West Coast Conference or the Mountain West or, or anything like that. But, but what is the what, what are you doing if you're the ACC? What, what are you doing? They don't add anything in the sports that matter for all of this. The, the television networks are forcing all of this on everybody because of football and a little bit of hoops, a little bit. But they don't add anything to the ACC in football. Nothing. Zero. And all they do is add cross-country flights for the bad basketball teams for a Tuesday night 8 o'clock tip-off. What exactly, if you're the ACC, are you even considering? I'm going to be just a bit of a contrarian. Because I have read multiple times over the course of the weekend exactly what you said. Uh, I've heard it from conference commissioners. I've heard it from coaches. That, that, that TV is driving all of this. Driving it, I think I would agree with. But I don't think they're manipulating it the way that a lot of people are making it out to, to be. Now, Fox had a massive role in USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten. But it's not because Fox was behind the scenes playing the role of puppet master it's because they actually had a seat of the, at the table and a vested interest. Because Fox owned half of the Big Ten network. And so any television thing that was going to happen, Fox was going to be included in the discussions in. I'm just not convinced that the leaders at ESPN and Fox are the ones that are moving the chess pieces around. I feel like the schools, as chess pieces, are trying to move themselves, but they can't move without permission from Fox or ESPN. And what I mean when I say permission is a willingness from ESPN or Fox or NBC or CBS to a lesser degree to say, oh, yeah, if this happens, then we're willing to do this. Like there's just this assumption from everybody that, oh, the TV networks will pay for for whatever, but they kind of proved that they wouldn't pay for whatever with the disassembly of the Pac-12, didn't they? 
Yeah, they're funding the moves. So you're saying they're funding the moves, but they're not making the moves. Others are making yeah. the moves, and they're footing the bill at the end of the day if they deem it worth their time. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got to see that there's a reason to do it. I mean, the, the thing that we talk about all the time, right, is the fact that live sports is the most valuable thing going on television. The NFL is the single most profitable, profitable entity for network television today, and it's not mm-hmm. even close. But after the NFL... If college football is not second, it is a very, very close second. And it's evident in the amount of money that has been guaranteed to, to different conferences to do this. But I actually feel like in this series of moves, we got a little more evidence that for the first time, and it's because the 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 cable subscription spigot is not running at the same wide open rate that it used to run, that the networks are not being, they're not being manipulated by the conferences anymore. That they're kind of picking and choosing where they're going to spend and what is valuable to them. Now, clearly, there's some value because Fox is the one that basically came in and said, yeah, we'll pay a half share for Oregon and for Washington. So they're not going to get $70 million a year, but they're going to start, what, $30 million a year, and it's going to go up by a million dollars per year. And then Fox, excuse me, Fox apparently did whatever they needed to do to kind of get the finish line done, to to get Oregon and Washington over the finish line by basically saying that they would offset the travel costs that Oregon and Washington would occur in traveling to all the Big Ten schools, beyond what they were already spending. Does that make any sense? It does. It's just a mess. And we're up against the break here, but so two things can be true at once, at least in my in my mind. On one hand, I agree with even a Colin Cowherd, who happens to work for Fox, by the way. So of course he's going to defend Fox getting Oregon and USC and all them to the the Big Ten. Of course he is. But I do agree that when when USC is in Madison, Wisconsin, and it's a tie game going into the fourth quarter. And they come back from break and jump around is going on. I can't miss that. Like, I'm going to want to see that. When Ohio State is at Outson Stadium in the Outson Zoo, I'm going to want to see that as a viewer of all things college football. I'm going to sit back in my, on my couch and I can't wait to watch Ohio State, Oregon in Eugene. That's going to be awesome. So, there, the, all of this stuff is creating more attractive matchups. I, I think that is absolutely true. But with each passing movement, I think we're getting further and further away from what brings millions of people to college football. And I don't, I don't like the direction that this kind of stuff is headed. And especially the discourse around it has frustrated me lately as well. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. It's, college, it's the nobody cares football, stuff. Is college football in 2024, not this year, but next year, is 2024 college football going to be better than 2023 college football? Because everything's basically the same this year. We've had some movement already, but for the most part, 2023 is how it has been 
2024 is how it's going to be. Let's tackle that when we come back. Do we think college football will be better or worse next year as a result of all this movement? Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Let's go. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Start yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Jumping in in that uh, that first segment, Thomas in Greenwood, Jeff and Ponatok uh, made reference to the Panama Canal as being a shorter route, not actually having to go around the southern tip that's, of South America. But, but hey, that's said that's an expensive thing, though. And, and hey, that's said all the oceans are are connected, like it's all one. So the the canal's a man made thing. Mm-hmm. That, but but what he was saying is geographically. All the oceans it's all are one ocean. It's all yeah. It's all the you same. You call the whole thing the Atlantic Ocean. So the, the 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 issue of the Atlantic Coast Conference with having California teams could be made irrelevant. And it's really kind of like going east coast to east coast if you think about it, right? It's like the east really coast of the is. United States, the east coast of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Nailed it. So maybe it maybe it becomes the East Coast Conference East. instead of the Atlantic Coast Conference, yeah, or the big the re- what if it went to the really big East, the really big East. I'm in. Oh man, it would be the RBEC Conference for those who like their conference conferences. Yeah, there you go. You know, like the SEC Conference and the ACC Conference. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really only correct when you say the Big Ten Conference because that's actually the name of anyway. Uh, or the Pac-4 talk. conference. Mm, yeah. I guess they're technically still the Pac-12. Th- they are. In terms of a legal entity. For one year. For for, for now. Yeah. 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 But don't you... So you asked a really good question. Will, will next season be better or worse? And, and, and my answer, I think, is better. Because you're adding Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. And you've got an expanded playoff, so our games will matter more. But I don't think the answer is exclusively better, if that makes sense. Maybe a net positive, but but things that are going on, I think, are ultimately the detriment to college football. I was thinking about this yesterday. So what drew me, and and everybody's story is different, but what drew me to college football was small college football. I, I didn't grow up going to Ole Miss games or Mississippi State games in the SEC where they played Alabama every Saturday. I grew up going to see Furman and Georgia Southern play against each other. That, that was my big game. That's, that's what I loved, and my dad now would go to one big stadium a year. But there are millions of people that love college football that's not LSU. That's not Ohio State. That's not Georgia. And what is so unique to me about college football is small towns, tiny towns all over the country. And you could throw Oxford and Starkville in there as well because those are small towns get flooded with tens of thousands of people on a Saturday for a football game. And that happens in SEC stadiums, and that happens in Mountain West stadiums. Utah State draws well. It's not 100,000 people, but they've got people that care. And that's the beauty to me of college football is how widespread it is. From big school to small school, there's millions of people that love it and care about it. 
And so today you've got Oregon State fans who just put $160 million into their stadium, had a great season last year, it ended it by beating the brakes off of Florida in the Vegas Bowl where they traveled to that thing like crazy. And now there's a chance that they are going to be in a conference of two because I guess nobody wants them. And I get capitalism, I am a capitalist, but Oregon State fans care about Oregon State football. They invest in it, they attend it, it matters. It matters to Corvallis, it matters to the university, it's a big part of the college experience. And tradition, and and regionality, if that's a word, and rivalries and upsets are, are the fabric of college football. Appalachian State, Michigan is what's so great about college football, because that doesn't happen in the NFL. There's no upsets like that in the NFL. So the, the more we trend towards creating like a super conference where there's only 38 teams that matter or whatever it is, the, the Oregon states of the world, and wait till the ACC disbands, Boston College and Wake Forest and Syracuse, all these people that are so invested in, in college football won't have a reason to anymore. And no, again, they're not LSU, they're not Ohio State, they're not competing for championships, but it matters so much to them, and you're taking it away from them. And I don't think that's great for the overall health of college football. I hate the nobody cares discourse. Your good friend in front of the show, Matt Moscona, nobody cares about the Mountain West. Mountain West fans do. Why should they just be cast aside to benefit LSU more? I know they're not important to us around here, but they're important to them. And you could just as easily say nobody cares about the Egg Bowl. Doesn't crack the top 15 most most watched rivalry games. Nobody cares about the Egg Bowl nationally. It doesn't move the needle. Ole Miss-Kentucky last year was watched by more people than the Egg Bowl. But it matters right here. The Apple Cup's gone. Oregon, Oregon State's gone. Bedlam's gone. All these things that make college football great, they're all gone. And yes, the television viewer benefits, but the people that actually go and invest and care, they're being given less reason to. And I don't like that. Yeah. Hey, Dan, I've I've never thought of myself as like a college athletics elitist. You know, there's some that are like, all I want is the biggest brands. And yet, at the same time, I've I've said frequently, I, I love Cinderella the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Right. But I don't want to watch B- uh, Butler in the Final Four. I mean, great story, Brad right. Stevens, all that good stuff. But I, I, I don't want to see Butler in the Final Four. I want to see Kansas or North Carolina or Duke or, you know, the, the, the Blue Bloods. I, mean, I would obviously love to see one of our teams from the state of Mississippi make it that far into the tournament. But if I'm just casually watching, St. Joe's in the Final Four does absolutely nothing for me. Right. And and college football is kind of the same. I mean, I'll watch on a Thursday night or a Friday night or a Saturday night, and I like the games and I'm intrigued in the games, but I'm not counting the days to kickoff of Team Bork. You mentioned a second ago, Utah State, Fresno State. I'm not counting down the days to that. Right. Right. But I am counting down the days to watch when Georgia goes to Knoxville this year. I will be counting down the days to watch when Oklahoma comes to Oxford 
or when Mississippi State goes to Austin. So I don't know. I mean, like, I, I feel like for the, the fan, what do we say all the time? People don't care about fans anymore in college football. But I think the viewing experience just got better for fans, like at a great big macro level, not necessarily at a micro level. Well, first off, you know, when you talk about you're looking forward to Ole Miss and Oklahoma and Mississippi State and 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 Texas, that's because you're in Mississippi. People in Texas don't care about that game. People in Oklahoma, uh, you know, I mean, they may, they, they, you know, they, they'll, they'll, the first trips to Starkville and Oxford will be fun for them, but after that it's just going to be like, eh, you know, I'm looking forward to playing Alabama, LSU, those games. And certainly people in Illinois and New York don't care about Mississippi State and Ole Miss. So you got to be careful, you know, when, when you say things like that, because could be next. Don't think they're going to be next, but could be next. But the, the fact of the matter is this. You know, if you're an Oregon State fan and your team has been basically relegated at this point, you know, and I speaking as a fan of a sport who, who you know, there is relegation, it's not like when Oregon State it becomes impossible to find on television and they start playing games that don't really matter to anybody outside of Oregon State fans, that a bunch of Oregon State fans are just going to go, well, I'm an Oregon fan now. They're in the Big Ten. I, I want to be able to watch, you know, so now I'm an Oregon fan. You're just going to lose them. They'll be like, eh, I'll follow the Seahawks. Yep. All right, so hey, Dad, ultimately, will 2024 mm-hmm. be better than 2023? It'll be better because of the playoff. The 12-team playoff makes it better. But I don't know that all of this movement makes it better. I mean, Oregon and Washington would be in the the playoff discussion either way, right? For the Big Ten or in the Pac-12. Because they're good teams. They're good programs. Um, Moving doesn't really, you know, know, I don't think it helped their, their cause to get into the playoff, to be honest with you. Oregon had a much easier path not having to play Michigan and Ohio State. And certainly, you know, Next year wouldn't have had to play UCLA and USC. That's, that's a case for Oregon to you know go undefeated. So that they, I don't know if they you know the money's great, but you, know, you want to win games. That's the whole point of the sport. And Chase in Columbus makes a good point on the ceasefire text line. He said it's a lot to talk about during the off season because we're bored. But once it's rolling, it'll still be the same. Look how different 2020 was on paper. Schedule changes. Mostly empty stadiums. Everyone had different scheduling models, but it was still college football. Upsets happened. The Heisman Trophy race occurred. In the end, there was a playoff and a champion. Who really brings up 10-win Alabama versus 6-win Ohio State for the title when they think back about the 2020 season? Hey, Dad, one of the points that you make on a regular basis is just get us to the games. Because once we get to the games, all the other stuff kind of goes away. And that's all we focus on for those 14 weeks of the regular season and for that two-week stretch in the postseason when we crown a national champion. Maybe there's some wisdom to that. Maybe we're just entertaining ourselves in the offseason. At the expense of a lot of people, but entertaining nonetheless. What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi.
I've been going back and forth on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Richard, you were saying the opposite of basketball as you are in football. It's dumb, dumb, dumb. You don't want Butler in the Final Four, but you want Mississippi State or Ole Miss in the national championship games. Uh, we aren't blue bloods here in Mississippi. So my response was, if you think State and Ole Miss are the same as Butler, I don't know what to say to you. And he says he doesn't, but State and Ole Miss have the same number of national championships in basketball you don't want the underdog playing in the natty game in one sport, but you do want the underdog to win a national championship in the other sport. No, I understand that there's a difference in Kansas and Mississippi State in terms of basketball. Generally speaking, what I don't want is St. Joe's or Butler or whoever like that in the Final Four. Do I want the teams that we cover, that we are fans of, to be in a Final Four in basketball? Yeah. But that's unique to us here. I get that. Like, the, the people that live in Des Moines, Iowa, don't necessarily want to see Ole Miss or Mississippi State playing for a national championship. But were you, were you completely turned off when Baylor won a national title? That was a great Baylor team. Were you turned off when Texas Tech played for a national title? No. Were you turned off when Virginia was in the Final Four or when they won it all? See, those are schools that are kind of on par with what we're talking about with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. They are brands. Are they blue bloods in the sport? No, but they're big brands from power conferences, and that's just – but, again, that's just my personal opinion. It's just what I want to see. I wasn't telling you what you should want or this is what everybody wants. It's just kind of what I was thinking. So I feel like we're arguing about something just for the sake of arguing about it. So – um, let's put the conference realignment and expansion conversation on hold. We've got a little bit of catching up to do. Uh, hey, Dad got us off track last week. We were not able to get to all of wow. the teams that we needed to get to wow. on the countdown of 100 teams in How 100 days. Incredible. So let's pick that up right now. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Hey, Dad, do you want to defend yourself? Oh, no, that was all me. That's what I thought. Uh, We're going backwards to number 29 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, the Miami Hurricanes. went five and seven last year in year number one for Mario Cristobal, but it was kind of brushed to the side because everybody knew that Cristobal had to go in and kind of give the program an enema, needed to make some wholesale changes, needed to uh, get the culture cleaned up, get everybody play, playing hard and moving in the right direction. Only problem is Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback, was better the year before than he was last year. Enema was not the right word. No, it's fine. it's fine. You know, just a good program just needed a good cleansing. Yeah, and that's why their uh, biggest give... booster, an NIL donor, got uh, investigated by the feds recently. Oh, yeah. Jeez. You put the holes right here in Coral Gables. Mmm. Mmm. Henry Parrish, the Ole Miss transfer, ended up being the leading rusher for Miami last year. 616 yards and four touchdowns. 
Tyler Van Dyke completed 63% of his passes, but for only 1,835 yards with 10 touchdowns and five interceptions. So, from a schedule standpoint, by the way, looking back, last five years, Miami has gone seven and six, six and seven, eight and three in the COVID season, seven and five, and five and seven. And how many different times have we read the headline that, I mean, it's not quite on the same level as Texas is back, but here it comes for Miami. Here come the Hurricanes. Right. Here it comes. And it just keeps not coming. Miami is a small private school with a stadium that, with traffic, is about an hour from campus with a small local fan base. Now, that fan base shows up for big games. Maybe the single worst thing that ever happened to Miami football was the move from the decrepit Orange Bowl to the palatial Hard Rock Stadium. And it wasn't necessarily palatial when they moved into it. It was kind of whatever Joe Robbie, but it's downright palatial now. I mean, it's a, a spectacular venue. It's just out in the middle of nowhere. It's as luxurious of a football stadium as you can get. Opulent, even. Yeah. Opulent. Uh, here's the schedule for Miami. Does this schedule, combined with year two for Mario Cristobal and a third-year starter at quarterback, lead you to think that this year it's going to be different for Miami than it has been the last five. And frankly, I mean, mediocre is the way to describe the last five years for Miami. And mediocre is not okay for a place like that, or at least they don't think it is. Miami of Ohio on Friday night, September 1st, to start the season. I bet Hard Rock Stadium will just be bursting at the seams that night. Week number two. It'll be bursting at the seams in week two with a bunch of people wearing maroon. Texas A&M, return trip. Last year, those two teams played in week three in College Station. That was an average, at best, Texas Texas A&M team that won 17-9. Ugly. Horrible football game. Ugly game. Just brutal to watch. We are going to learn so much about the SEC in Week 2. I know this is Miami segment, but still, we're going to learn about A&M in Week 2 with Bobby Petrino and Jimbo. We're going to learn about, to some degree, Ole Miss. We're going to learn about Mississippi State. We're going to learn about Alabama. We're going to learn about Auburn. Because I I don't think Cal's going to be particularly great, but they've got a late kickoff in Berkeley that weekend. That is an interesting weekend of football in the SEC. A lot of learning is going to happen. On that Saturday. Cal Revenge Tour. They're going to beat everybody this year. They're mad. Mm. Uh, After A&M, they go back five days later and play Bethune-Cookman on a Thursday night. Then in week four, this is the game that you look at, you're like, wait, what? What? Miami is going to Temple. Miami will play at Lincoln Financial Field against the Temple Owls. I would go out on a limb and say that's going to be the largest crowd that Temple has for a game this season. Easily 10,000. <laughs> Look, I don't know how many Temple football games you've been to, mm-hmm. but I've been to a couple recently, and I don't know that you can combine the attendance for the games that uh, I've done inside the link and come up with 10,000 people. There was there was significantly more people than that at the Eagles' practice 
on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. You know what that said, though? Temple's got a pretty passionate fan base. And if you remember when they kind of got it rolling, they had good crowds. Yeah. They, they had folks that were showing up. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that that's just like a slam dunk for Miami. Temple's got a good quarterback and E.J. Werner, son of Kurt Warner. Oh, really? Yeah. There's your fun fact of the day. Yeah. yeah the, well, I mean, I told you that before. That is a fun fact. It's okay. I, but, you know, the fr- still a fun the, fact. our, our audience freshman, doesn't catch every yeah, minute of our show. I know. The true freshman starter for Temple for a year ago threw for over 3,000 yards. It was uh, it was pretty cool to watch. Um, they get an open date after the, uh, the, the road trip to Philly. Then it's all ACC the rest of the way. Georgia Tech, North Carolina on the road, Clemson and Virginia, at NC State, at Florida State, Louisville, and they close it out at Boston College. Is this a bold team for Miami, year two, Mario Cristobal? Better be. I mean, a 6-6 six and six record is a bold team, so I mean, what are we talking about here? Are they going to be better than that? Are they like an 8-4, and 9-3 and three team? I don't think so. Are they going to beat A&M in week two? No. You oh. so badly want to see that, though, hey, Dad? Oh, I hope so. I wanted to see it last year when I bet on it, and I didn't get it. So, um, no, I don't think so, though. They going to win at North Carolina? No. No. Not going to beat Clemson at home. Should beat Virginia at home. Are they going to win at NC State? That's tough. Nope. They going to win at Florida State? No. no. They going to beat no. Louisville at home? People are really high on this Louisville team. They they are they're one of those yeah, teams that are just getting get all this hype. I mean, like eleven wins for Louisville Malik, this season. Is Malik Cunningham back for his nineteenth year? I don't know. Is he playing yeah. wide receiver uh, in in training camp somewhere? He may be. Maybe he is not back for his nineteenth year though at Louisville. Okay. So, I mean, look, you you want to look at Miami's schedule and go, what are their swing games? If you don't believe A&M is going to be close, then at Temple on September 23rd is a swing game for Miami, which tells you all you need to know about Miami football. Louisville at home on November 18th is a swing game for Miami. If you give them a win against Miami of Ohio, give them a win against Bethune-Cookman, give them a win against Temple, that's three. Let's say you give them a win against Georgia Tech, that's four. You give them a win against Virginia, that's five. If they win at Boston College to close out the season, that's six. That makes Louisville. I mean, it's not great yet for Miami. It's not great. We'll be back. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi right here. On Super Talk Mississippi. Our text line, Michael says, if when the Pac, uh, the ACC goes the way of the Pac-12 and there are realistically three power conferences, won't that make the winners of the three group of five conferences auto-qualifiers and leave out teams that may finish 10-2 and two or 9-3 and three against a much stronger conference schedule? Then the playoff structure argument starts all over again. 
Yeah, Michael, the playoff conversation uh, structure conversation has already started. Already. I mean, as it stands right now, 2024 is set to be the six highest-rated conference champions and six at-large spots. Already, there are people that are asking, okay, should that go to five and seven, or possibly four and eight? And then when the new, the new um, playoff contract goes into effect, so you get two years left in the initial 12-year college football playoff agreement, when we roll into the next one, it starts in 2026. Wait and see if there's not a huge push for just 12 at large spots. Huge push. Oh, that's coming. And the argument will be this levels the playing field for everybody. You don't have to be a conference champion. Schedule hard, go win games, be one of the 12 best teams in the country, and boom, you're in. Doesn't matter what league you play in. And whatever becomes of the Pac 12. I mean, with all due respect, again, I, I I care about to some degree the Mountain West schools. Like like they matter. What they do matters. All the, the kids they get to put on scholarship, all that matters. It's all important. But if it ends with a merger where the four remaining Pac twelve schools merge with the Mountain West, are, are we really going to reward them the same way that we we reward the winner of the conference that has Georgia and Alabama and LSU? Or the conference that has Ohio State and Michigan and Wisconsin and Penn State, no shot. Can't do it. I'm having a lot of trouble getting all bent out of shape about the travel that people are talking about. It stinks for fans. Those trips get real expensive when you're talking about across the country. And it will not allow fans to travel, most fans to travel in the way um, that maybe they have in the past. Like, like, you can't jump in the car and go from Ann Arbor to Seattle the same way that you can jump in the car and go from Starkville to Lexington. Right, Starkville to Lexington's a long drive, but that's doable. Oxford to College Station is a really long drive, but it's absolutely doable. College Park to Eugene, I mean, when you say is it doable, I mean, yeah, you can leave on Wednesday and break the trip up into three days and and get there. Or you can make it a road trip with four or five dudes and just road dudes and gals, whatever, and just rotate drivers and never stop. But that's not that's gonna be the exception, not the rule. But in terms of the oh, it's so hard for the play is it really that much more difficult to get on a private airplane when you're on the volleyball team? and fly from Eugene to East Lansing than it is to fly from Eugene to Tempe, Arizona? It might be a shorter trip. Do you think they're taking private jets, the volleyball team? I think they are now. I mean, hope there's not a basketball game that night. Well, the schools don't own Hope the planes. They charter the planes. I'm just saying. Well, what, what do you think the travel budget is for the average Pac-12 volleyball team? Well, it just got bigger. One one flight? I mean, yeah. oh, now I get to play your role now. Well, where's that money coming from? Fox has just has agreed to offset the travel cost. And you think that's going to volleyball? Oh, they're gonna, they're going to offset the travel cost for every, all these volleyball teams. They are offsetting the travel for, for cost for the for the athletics and, department. 
Okay, we'll see how that pans out. I, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't think Fox is going to be much for paying for the softball team and the women's golf team to be going across the country. I'm private jets anyway, or maybe I they don't do. No, man, you got yeah. you got men's and women's golf teams, and men's and women's basketball teams, and football teams, the Indians and Express teams. from Major League. And you got baseball teams in the SEC that charter planes now. Baseball teams in the SEC, that doesn't surprise me. Baseball teams in the Pac-12 to go to Rutgers would surprise me. Yeah, no, that, you're right. That, that's an absolute different story. It is. What, what kind of cracks me up is the, the fan element of this. It's, oh, well, we're getting more money. You're not. Well, this new influx of cash, when, when the new SEC TV deal comes in, and you're an Ole Miss and Mississippi State fan. When they get more money, are, are your season ticket prices going to come down? No. They're going to continue to go up. Are they going to start? Uh, are they going to stop nope. charging for parking? No. Nope. Are Charge beers going to be four dollars at the game? No. Are they going to nope. stop stop shaming you into donating to the collective? No. The only thing that's going to change is they're going to start or they're going to keep adding more unnecessary things to the facilities, and the coaches are just going to get more money. <laughs> the, the the increase in revenue is not helping you, the fan, at all. It does nothing for you. Your circumstances are not changing. They're going to keep taking financial advantage of you. Brian and Tupelo says baseball softball series, the biggest travel concern. I would argue that that's less because they're going to play three games when they do that. It's not just a one-off game on a Tuesday night. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk. Mississippi. Four o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Check them out online at PearlRiverResort.com. You can join us on the C Spire text line, introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from C Spire. It's the phone your kids want with what you want as well, and that's easy to use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Check out the website for all of the upcoming events. Oxford's getting busy. Folks are starting to move back into town. School starts in a couple of weeks. Traffic is picking up. Restaurants are getting a little harder to get into. Uh, In short, town is coming back to life. And I know the exact same thing is happening in college towns all over the southeast to keep up with everything going on in Oxford, visit OxfordMS.com or their um, social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at VisitOxfordMS. Um, Borky, you made the trip home to South Carolina. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. Just uh, spent time with family is all. Nothing uh, like no beach or vacation or anything. But, uh, yeah, man, ate a lot of food, which is always good. Hey. There you go. At least three squares a day. It's good. To, good. Good plan to be on. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Ed? How'd the wings turn out? They were good. Yeah. They're good. I, I, they, I mean, they're pretty basic, but yeah, they were good. 
How many were in the five-pound box? So you were right. They were there were not enough. I had to go buy some more. Oh, five pounds of wings yeah. was not enough. It was not enough. It was only like twenty-two wings. Now they were big wings. Don't get me wrong, but I was like, I told my wife, I was like, unless you and the two girls can make a meal out of seven wings, uh, we got to go get some more. Because fifteen of them were going to you. Fifteen are coming my way. Did you like that quick math, by the way? You did great. I'm, I'm proud of you. So did you buy one additional five-pound box or two? No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't buy. I just went and bought a pack of wings from uh, the grocery store. So it was like, I don't know, two and a half more pounds. I, I, I had enough to do like 10, 12, 10, 12 more wings. Okay. All good. All good. What were the sides again? I did some bacon cheese fries. That's right. Crinkle fries? No, no, uh, fast food fries. I like them thin and crispy. Was it for a wrestling watch party? No. Oh, you just week. had a party? Okay. Because there, there's an arena no, down. He just, he just cooked I for just, his family. Oh. I just cooked. I didn't have a party oh, well, at all. It was just my family. Oh, well, it sounded like you were having a party. But there's there's a, a big arena, big-ish arena in downtown Greenville, and we were going down. It's Bon Secours Arena, formerly bon Secours the Bilo Center. Wellness Arena. I can't forget wellness because they call yeah. it the well, which makes me roll my eyes. But anyway, um, we're going to the minor league baseball game on Saturday night, you got to pass the, the arena to get there. And there are lines like I've never seen at that place before. I mean, they get big concerts. They've had, they've had NCAA tournament games, all that stuff. Lines around the blocks like I have never seen before. It was for AEW wrestling. That was mind blowing. Saturday night, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. is that is that a big deal? Or I, I don't know anything about wrestling. Like, is AEW something is there, special? Is there, is there? That's the second biggest company. Okay. It's the uh, it's it, it was it's their Saturday night show. Also, Saturday night was SummerSlam, but that was in uh, Detroit at Ford Field in front of 60,000 yeah. people. We, we were mind-blown. I mean, these lines went blocks. And I assume they, these people had tickets, but they were just eager to get in the door. But I have never seen anything like that before. And it was, I, I had, we had to look it up. It AEW Wrestling. Yeah. Mm. AEW Collision is on Saturday nights. Good enough. Good. No, we're, we're only three weeks away from AEW at uh, at Wembley Stadium. Seventy thousand, seventy-five thousand tickets sold, and also only four days away from uh, the beginning of the Premier League season. Yes, yes, that is that is this week. Chelsea, ten thirty a.m. Uh, on Sunday, they'll be at Anfield to take on Liverpool, the first game of the year. Ooh. That's yeah, spicy right off the top. Man, how cool would it be to attend to that? Oh, I mean, that's that's like a. I mean, I, I would love to do that. I don't. I know that I never will. But that, so, that is so what that is that? Really that's cool. um, is that like five thirty local time? So it's like a five thirty uh, opening a, kick. Si- Four thirty. It's a six hour difference. Is it yeah. six hours? I was thinking seven. Yeah, I can't remember. Okay. No, six so hours. Six, thing, six yeah. hours different. Man, noon, all the, noon all here that, is you'll never there. walk alone. Oh yeah! Oh, it's gonna, oh that'd be great. Be fun. That would the be win. great. We'll all see. right, uh, we have uh, dawdled and wasted time, but it's uh, still time to get into winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. 
Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What'd you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? All right, before my first winner, I actually have a question uh, for you, Hey Dad. So this yeah. is an MLS question. I'm, I'm headed for a soccer. All right, I'll try to right answer at, it. Right out of the gate. Sure. So you can just randomly add a player to your team for the start of the playoffs in MLS? I don't think it's the playoffs. This is the uh, this is like one of their in-season tournaments, I believe. Every stinking time I try to like the sport, something stupid happens, like a rule like we, we're we going to stop play and have an in-season tournament. They've got like yeah. 14 games left or something, though, before their, their true postseason. But, I mean, NFL teams work yeah. out players during the season all the time to add free they agents. Don't, they and don't stuff. stop the season either. The season goes on around the tournament. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> fine. But that... Well, I mean, it's 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 they do it in the Premier League. Like you'll play an FA Cup game on a Tuesday, and then you play your Premier League game on yeah, yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, not like football; you don't need you know a whole week to recover. Lionel Messi, Lionel Leo, if you prefer, uh, he's good. Yeah. Uh, since his uh, <laughs> since his debut with uh, Miami, in, Inter Miami, I believe it is uh, seven goals in four matches, including two. Uh, against the Dallas FC team, uh, leading to a uh, 4-4 score at the end of regulation, and then he made his penalty kick, uh, unlike, well, never mind. Um, and uh, and they get the win in, uh, in extra time. Got the win in extra time. He has brought a level of attention to MLS that has not existed at any time since the league Anytime. has begun, period. Yeah, they brought big players over, but not like this. No, not no, like. No, no. And he still, he still got it. He still got a lot in the tank, especially Clearly. at this level. Clearly, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Leo Messi is a uh, a winner, not for the first yeah. time in his career, but for the first time <laughs> on Winners and Losers on Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. You know, I'm trying to find one in all the college football. Uh, Realignment, and I, I'm going to go back to when we talked about Friday. I think the SEC is the winner. I think by I think what Greg Sankey had to say when we were at Media Days about we you know, we already feel like we're a super conference and and having 16 teams. I mean, of the 16 teams that the SEC has, you have easily six, seven of the top brands in, in college in college football. You know, they, could they add a couple more? Yeah, maybe, but they don't need to. You know, and because the passion of SEC fans will always drive ratings, will always drive ticket sales. The SEC product will always be superior because players want to play in the SEC. I, I, I think while all this, you know, everything else is going on and people are moving this, that, and the other, I think the SEC, by not doing anything, kind of won. Also, I got two of my first uh, Immaculate Grids this weekend, so I'm a winner. Yeah, I was impressed with the um, the baseball where you went nine for nine. Yeah, because they had it was all categories. It was no teams, so yeah. it was just like make the I, I can do that. I can do the history of the game. I can't keep up, but I got it today too. I got mm-hmm. and today they had teams. 
So. Yeah, I was uh, I was oh. seven for nine on the one that you went nine for nine on. So uh, impressive stuff. Yeah. Borky, give me Today a winner, had please. the Cubs and the Cardinals. So it makes it a little oh. easier. Yeah. Those are teams I know enough about. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the SEC being a winner, so we'll talk about the poll later. Yeah. 24% of the top 50 vote-getters in the first coaches poll were SEC teams. 12 of the 14 SEC teams were in the top 50. And next year, 14 of the 16 SEC teams were in the top 50 vote-getters. Uh, Lucas Glover, uh, golfer, won the Wyndham Championship, uh, apparently is a, a really well-liked guy on tour. Everybody really likes him. But uh, winning the tournament, that's fine. You know, it's good. He's from my hometown. I, I followed his career forever. But the scene on the 18th after he won and his daughter sprints at him and she's crying and his mom's crying and she's so happy and his son is screaming, Daddy, you won. Daddy, you won. Has got to be an all-time moment in that dude's life. and A tearjerker, man. That was awesome. We'll be back. We'll continue winners and losers after this. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Any other winners that we need to get to on winners and losers? By the way, we'll get to yours on the ceasefire text line coming up at 601-879-4395. Any other winners? Take that as a no. Shall we move to the other category? The category of losers. Oregon State and Washington State. Well, they didn't do anything wrong, but they they lost in all this, and it man I, for some reason I feel bad for them. I because it, you know quite frankly, uh, Ole Miss and in, in Mississippi State a, a long time ago were in the correct boardroom, and everything is stable. All this realignment stuff. I, I've had a couple Ole Miss fans ask me like, should I be worried? Like, are we next? It was a text I got earlier, and I said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Don't worry at all. I mean, when it comes down to it, even though you're not LSU or Alabama, when it comes to viewership and also department revenue, which of course TV helps, but aside from that, uh, you are firmly planted in the top 30 in college sports. You're good. It's, it's no problem. Like you're, you're fine. But Oregon State and Washington State fans don't have that same feeling today. And, you know, they care. The Pacific Coast doesn't care about college football like we do. But again, Oregon State put $160 million into their stadium recently. Like, they care. They, they try to win, and they have passionate fans. They could win the Pac-12 this year. They, they could. could. They beat Florida, the, the breaks off of Florida in a bowl game last year. They it beat happened. Oregon last year. Yeah. And they're just left out in the cold, man. I mean, the, the best that they can do at this point seems like a merger with the ACC who will soon lose all of their best teams to. They're stuck, and it sucks. I feel bad for them, and they're losers, them in Washington State. And it just sucks. Stanford doesn't support football. I, I don't feel as bad for them. Oregon State supports football. I feel bad for them. Um, I'm not as quick on the ACC as falling apart as, as some people are. Um. 
but we'll see. That, that That's when I've just got to see it happen. Because it falling apart doesn't make financial sense. Like, I know the schools in the ACC want more money. I'm just not sure how they're going to actually be able to get it. But we'll see. Maybe we'll learn more about private equity over the next few days. Um, anybody that was hanging out at the ferry boat landing in Montgomery, Alabama this weekend probably falls into the loser category. There's some winners in that group. The guy with the chair, winner. Yeah, but is he going to jail or is he good? He might be, but my gosh, he got to hit somebody with a steel chair. You know how many years I've fantasized about being able to pick up a steel chair and whack somebody with it? He did it. Look, plastic. Only with steel. Just let me have my moment here. <laughs> it hurt. It if hurt. You, I promise that. If you have not watched the video, there is um, almost an infinite amount of blame that can go around for the way that situation devolved from an overzealous security guard who chose to move somebody's boat on their own to ridiculous and probably intoxicated guys that thought it was time to jump the security guard to all the people that came to the aid of the security guard to the, I don't know, maybe the memes that live on from this are are winners, but everything else kind of, wow, what a... uh, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, that just Google Montgomery Brawl. Plenty of videos for you to watch. A lot of different angles, um, a lot of different links. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. And um, the U.S. Women's National Team is a loser. In the single biggest event globally for women's sports. They played horribly. I'm not trying to make it political. I'm not trying to make it right-wing, left-wing. Not talking about any specific players. But they were terrible in the Women's World Cup. And now they're coming home. Probably should stay away from their mentions on, on Twitter. Just feels like a good idea. Hey, Dad, do you have a loser? The Baltimore Orioles. Uh, They suspended their play-by-play announcer, Kevin Brown, today. Did he drop a racial slur? Did he make a comment that was sexist and misogynistic? Did he just call the umpire a big piece of crap? No, none of those things happened. He just reeled off some stats of how poorly the Orioles have played against Tampa Bay over the past five years. Nothing was inflammatory. It was simply the actual truthful numbers of how the Orioles have not played well against Tampa Bay over the last five years. And now he's suspended. That is, I mean, look, you know, the the A's guy lost his job earlier this year. I get it. All right. He he said the the word you can't say on the air, and that you got to go at that point. This guy just reeled off the stats of the team that he covers. And now he's he's been suspended. That's a joke. That's not acceptable. And that's just that's just Mickey Mouse clown stuff, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, the clip is being shared around, and and Hey Dad's not joking. I watched the entire thing, thinking like I'm gonna hear it's completely innocuous. Something. 
It's just the numbers. That's it. It's just, hey, you know, the Orioles yeah. have struggled against I watched, Tampa. I watched, I read the description and I was like, oh God, what did he say? And the first thing I thought was because the, the headline on the graphic is TROP, it cold depression. I was like, did he make a hurricane joke? Did he, did he, is that what's going to happen here? And I'm just listening. I'm like, finish it up. I'm just go, are you kidding me? He didn't say anything. He just reeled off the stats. I mean, what's next? Somebody goes 0 for 3 in a game and you can't mention it? Gosh. Hmm. It's really pathetic, honestly. It really is. Could happen to you, Richard. You better be careful what you say on these broadcasts. Hey, he didn't get fired after he caught a ball out of the back of the end zone and almost cost Ole Miss the Arkansas game. So if that didn't get him, then nothing will. Wow. This is not new for the uh, Orioles. They suspended the public address announcer hours before the home opener in 2021 with some of his tweets as the primary reason. Although, according to Elon, they will be willing, uh, 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 X will fight the legal battle. Did you guys see that from, from Elon over the yeah. weekend? Well, sure. What, I wonder if it extends to things that you said on podcasts. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Let's go to the Ceasefire text line. For some of your winners and losers, uh, let's see here. Loser, the Pack 4 Loser, the woke USWNT. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of that and, and, and a lot of the reaction we've gotten text about it and, and all that. What, what where, where I fall, I'm kind of a fence straddler. I will never root for an American team to lose anything ever. I will never, it never happen. They were a bunch of Americans. Them not winning stinks. I didn't wake up at 4 a.m. to watch them play, but either way, I, I, I will never root against Americans ever. But the, the reaction that they've gotten to some of the things that they have done and said, one of the players in particular, really, are extremely controversial things. And in some cases, can be viewed as anti-American. And when you do that, you open yourself up for a... Yeah, you better win. You better win. And when you don't, criticizing the reaction, like some in sports media have done, is goofy as, as you know what. Because if Megan Rapino was a conservative and she endorsed a political candidate, that wasn't Joe Biden. That, let's say she really liked Ron DeSantis, for example. Those let's sta- say she was the Orlando Magic The same media that are defending her at every turn would criticize her at every turn for doing the exact same thing, but from a different position. And I hate that about media. And the same fans who are criticizing her would embrace her. That's how it is. It's it's just hypocritical on both sides. Just a quick note, they had the same political beliefs when they won the last two World Cups. So their wokeness, let me use that, uh, didn't didn't affect anything. It's the same thing. spoken about them, though. In, in the past. Probably a little less outspoken, but you wonder why they lost? They got old. They did get old. Some of their players retired. It's not the same team as it was two years ago. But that is why, if you are not or a political ago, person, 
it would be best if you didn't, because... But the, the hypocrisy of media drives me nuts. I know people are going to do what people do, but sport, if you have principles, stand by them. If you're going to want athletes to, to speak out politically, then encourage it from all positions. And if you, do, if you discourage some, then you discourage all. That's principles, and nobody has any anymore. We will uh, we'll get back to your winners and losers. Coming up next, we'll hear from Lane Kiffin after Ole Miss's practice today. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Squeeze in a couple more winners and losers before we get to uh, the audio from Lane Kiffin after practice earlier today. Keith in Water Valley said winner Simone Biles. In her return to competitive gymnastics, she was quite good, as if she had not lost or uh, lost a step or missed a beat. Loser U.S. women's soccer team. Another vote for the U.S. women's soccer team, laying an egg in the World Cup. Uh, John Rahm, a winner. Tim Anderson, a loser. Took a nasty right, uh, right, uh, we call it a haymaker. It's like a no-look right hook to the jaw that sent him staggering. Whoo! Nothing, nothing funnier than being the guy who picks the fight and then you end up flat on your back. I yeah. love seeing that. You know, yeah. it's good that baseball actually had a fight because so often you'll get the push That's notification from, from ESPN or whatever. Brawl happens in Boston, and then you watch the video and it's just like guys kind of macho yelling at each other. This is an actual fight. We need more of that. CC agrees. He says loser Tim Anderson for throwing the first punches and then getting jacked up. <laughs> By the way, he also got a six-game suspension, and Ramirez only got three. So <laughs> there you go. What, what, what's the saying? Don't start none, won't be none. <laughs> I, I, I think that's mess think around that's and find out. Yeah, Something like that. Yeah, so it'd be the edited for radio version. Of, that's what uh, that of is. That. Yeah. So thanks uh, for your winners and losers on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Let's now go to Oxford. All guests, uh, even when it's like audio up here on the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ole Miss is into its full padded practices now, and uh, Lane Kiffin talked with the media after today's morning practice. So I haven't seen you guys for a few days. Um, been very competitive out there. Been really excited about the energy and focus. Um, for those of you kind of following the schedule, we've gone with a little bit different schedule than traditional. So uh, we do practice a little bit less this way and do a lot more kind of walkthroughs and classrooms and stuff to um, take care of their bodies a little more. So that's why you don't see quite as much time on the field and number of practices. But I thought guys have been really competitive out there. We got, as you know, a ton of new guys. That's exciting to see. And But at the same time, that excitement comes with a lot of work to get them all pieced together. Questions? Yeah. Um, I'll start Sorry, 
It's a question about conference realignment. Um, the end of that question is not good for college athletes. Um, I think it's really sad for fans, you know, to want to travel to games. And, you know, we're just talking about football here, but let's talk about all the sports that now got to fly around the country. They play in weekdays. They get back at four in the morning. They got to go to school. Um, parents aren't going to be able to see near as many games, families. So <clears throat> you guys know I just call it what it is. It's obviously about money. So anybody that says these decisions, well, they weren't about money or money was just a small factor. No, I mean, you don't do that to all your student athletes. That's not in the betterment of the student athlete at all. So, but it is what it is It's about money. And so just like we do call it what it is. So again, like I hope nobody gets on these 17, 18 year olds that make money for, or make decisions based off NIL money when all these universities are doing it. And it's just the tradition part. You know, you're talking about 100 years of tradition just washed up for some more money. Kind of back to the practice field. I, I, you talked about excitement and just worried about this defense and Golding and all the new pieces and everything just trying to mesh after a week of practice film and just kind of looking, how are you seeing that, does that defense progress with, with all these new faces? Uh, really well. Again, you know, only a few practices in, but um, I think Pete's doing great and a lot of new pieces on the players and staff, and they've spent a ton of time preparing for this, um, working really hard. So really excited about that. And kind of going off that, especially defensively, you talk about energy and competitiveness. It seems like Kenoto Hudson out there is just kind of getting it from the very jump. I'm just when you brought him on the staff, just what do you feel like he really brought to the table and what do you feel like he kind of brings to the secondary? Yeah, we've been around Key a long time, uh, ever since he worked for us at USC and then um, FAU and, and now here. And he's always done a great job in recruiting, done a great job with player development and phenomenal energy. So it's great to add him. And last week when you were talking about the quarterbacks, you were talking about how there's no preseason games to have any further evaluation and, you know, trying not to risk, you know, picking the wrong guy, you know, before or sort of during the season. That being said, in your ideal world, would you, would you prefer to that college football have preseason games in that sense or? I've really not thought about that just because it's never really come up. You know, the spring things come up where they've talked about maybe you played one spring game or something, but I've not been part of discussions about that so i haven't given much thought to that and um so i mean just these few seconds of thinking of it um i could see where there'd be a use of that but um i'm sure that probably creates other problems too how have you seen austin kind of handle this big transition of you know now should be a junior but he's now a freshman in college and just adapting in these hand uh short number of practices y'all passed so far? He's done a good job, really mature for his age and, um, you know, extremely mature on and off the field. And so um, he's progressed really well. We can see just from the time we've been out there that obviously Aiden Williams is, is really gifted. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of other stuff that goes into being a good receiver at this level. I'm curious where he's at kind of mentally and maybe in, in some of the things that are more in the margins? 
yeah, I'd kind of rather you guys just report about how great he is, you know, so I can keep him humble and keep him working. Um, but you guys see what I see. So um, still got a lot of work to do, but you can report what you see there. You're talking. I'm not going to rat poison my own freshman. There you go. Um, at, at SEC Media Day, you were talking about you know the stuff that Quinshawn needs to work on with his like footwork, and and when we talked to Quinshawn about it. He was talking about trying to be an all around back um, this year. When you talk when talking about that, is that more just his ability as a receiver, or just trying to work him into you know way into the system where he can be used more as a receiver, if needed? Yeah, I think in year two with players, you know, you take a next step, and everybody says that you know, okay, the players got to get better at these little things, but you can also take the next step in doing more things and whether that's a quarterback or a running back you know and you can use a guy more in the passing game things that in my opinion when you first get him you don't want to do all that because then you never really get good at just being the normal running back so um, we are looking at some things with him and he's uniquely gifted for a bigger you know stocky guy that he can play in the passing game which a lot of times is not the case obviously brought in Caden Prescorn uh, this offseason. Um, how do you feel he and Michael Trigg fit together? And I guess what are your expectations for Michael Trigg? Um, Prescorn has fit in really well. Um, players put him on the leadership committee already after not being here very long, which says a lot. Um, so he's extremely mature. And so we're, we're excited about him. Um, Trigg has done some good things. Um, we're still you know, pushing him forward, and so still early in camp. When when Matt was here, you guys had a really good relationship, and that probably played a role in that good of a season that second year with him. Is your relationship any with Jackson Dart anything comparable to that? I think that's more questions for the player, you know. Um, but <clears throat> I like Jackson a lot. I think that Jackson's matured a lot developed a lot uh his game's a lot better in a year and again he he he's mature but he was still young you know he was second year of college and first year here so um i like jackson a lot and um he has really grown into a leader of this team you know um you know they vote that leadership group and he was up there as high as anybody you know in their opinion so um, I think that says a lot because he's not real vocal. That way he's just won him over by how he invests in them. I feel like Lane Kiffin grades questions as they are being answered, as they're being asked. And if he thinks you ask a failing question, then you get kind of a failing answer. But sometimes a question will pique his interest a bit. really, And it's like, oh, it's actually a pretty good question. I, I'll give you a little something here. Um, the... Question about Aiden Williams? I mean, tenor never changed from Lane Kiffin, but if you listen to what he said, he said, I love that guy. He's got a chance to be great. But it's, he said it by saying, I mean, you guys see the same stuff I do, so just report what you see. Well, in reporting what people see, they've said, that kid is great. He's got a chance to be awesome. I'm not going to rat poison my own freshman. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Two other answers that stood out to me. We'll do that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you 
in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, final segment of the 4 o'clock hour. I think we're going to be able to hear from Zach Arnett in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll also have a look at the USA Today Coaches Top 25 that came out earlier today. Sure, there's some agreement and some disagreement and some, oh, who cares, it doesn't matter. We'll just wait and see when the season starts. So I said there were there are three things that stood out to me from, from Lane Kiffin's press conference. Talked about one before the break. Aiden Williams, his answer, non-answer. He obviously does not want to just heap a ton of praise on Aiden Williams, especially publicly, because he wants him to continue to work and do everything he can to get better, and they're trying to get everything they can out of him. But everybody that has seen Aiden Williams in practice has walked away. And early, it's what, five practices, six practices so far? Everyone who has seen him in camp so far for Ole Miss walks away going, wow. Ooh, wow. So, there's that. Number two, his answer to the question about Caden Priestcorn and Michael Trigg. Said a lot there. He was quick to tell you that in a very short amount of time, spring and a few practices into fall camp, camp, whatever it is we're calling it. Training um, camp. That uh, Priestcorn has been elected to their leadership council by his teammates and is doing good things. And about Trigg, he said, he's done some good things, some things he still needs to work on, but it's still early in camp. He didn't want to talk about Michael Trigg. It was an embellishment. Yeah, and Michael Trigg is not running with the first team and apparently was not pleased with running on the second team and Maybe he didn't make it all the way to the end of practice on Saturday and was spending the majority of his time today with either the third team or the scout team. So That's why you sign a guy like Caden Prescore. We will exactly. see where that goes. That is exactly why. And not many people ask this, but I did get asked. You know, they got Trigg. Why, why are they signing this kid for Memphis? This is why. This is why. And apparently Hudson Wolf is finally healthy after, what, two years of being not healthy at the tight end position. Yeah. So that's that's a plus. Yeah, and, you know, he, he talked about Dart and the leadership stuff and the personal growth. Uh, apparently uh, it, it is evident. Now, you know, things can change, whatever. Maybe Spencer Sanders does run on the field and take the first snap against Mercer. I don't know. But uh, from, from everybody that I've talked to in all the practice reporting, it, it, it's – pretty abundant that it's Jackson Dart's football team. Abundantly clear, I should say. You mean like I've been telling you since April? Yeah, like the whole time. It's like, there's no competition. Lane's going to tell you there is, but there's not. And, I mean, even like when the receivers are talking about how they're growing, there's only one guy that they talk about. I mean, it's, it's everything. All signs point to one direction. If you are a national college football person, and you need to know the answer about an Ole Miss quarterback competition, 
Just listen to this show. We'll tell you. We're in the know on that one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that I mean, the, the quarterback thing was the third. The, the third thing that stood out. I thought that was an interesting... That was a, a very well-asked... I, I don't know who asked the question, but it was a well-asked question to get something different out of Lane Kiffin. Hey, you and Matt Corral were really close, and you guys talked about that in Matt's last season, and obviously there was a lot of success on the field. What's your relationship like with Jackson Dart? Kiffin gave a pretty good answer. Yeah, said, you know, maybe you need to ask the player about that more than me. He's like, but I like Jackson a lot. And then he went on to talk about a lot of the good things that he's doing and how he's growing. And I, I thought he gave a pretty good answer to the, the Quinshawn Judkins question. But, you know, you, you said he needs to take a step forward in year two. What is that step? You know, is it involved with the passing game? And he kind of went into that a little bit. So, um, if all you did was just kind of halfway listen to the Lane Kiffin press conference, you probably fell asleep. If you were actually trying to listen to it to get some insight into what's going on in practice, he gave you some hints today. Yeah, and, and talking about how they're approaching uh, defensive practice. So he said they're, they're, they're not out there killing the guys, that they're doing a lot of um, walkthroughs and like classroom sessions uh, with the defense. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know some of our audience doesn't like Cole Kublik, but, but Cole has repeatedly talked about the complexity of Pete Golding's defense. And it's it's not like what you've heard from some DCs at Ole Miss in the past where the goal is to simplify and limit the menu. And no, that's not Pete Golding at all. It's You've got to learn a lot. And and so they're, they're spending less time just button heads because if you don't know where you're going, what good does running your head into another guy do? And so they're, they're spending more time than they have in years past on classroom sessions and teaching uh, to get Golding's apparently rather complex defense down. And then the other thing, and this didn't really come up with Lane Kiffin today, there's some teammate quotes that have been um, – you, you've had a chance to talk to players after some of these practices as well, and some of what other defensive players have said about Suntarian Perkins – is, uh, I think, probably reason for you to be excited if you're an Ole Miss fan. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour. College football fix is next. Communication system is a go. go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Random real estate text messages. Those ever pop up? Yeah, when they ask you if you're interested in selling and they put your address on there, I always reply with, send me your personal phone number and your home address, and then we'll talk. And they never do. This one is, hi, neighbor. Are you William Goss and still lives in 19911 Upland Creek Drive, Katy, Texas? This is Thai, or Ty, from Keller Williams Realty Signature, and I live near this area. 
I have a lot of buyers who are interested in buying properties in this area. Do you have interested in selling, or do you have anyone who are interested in selling or buying property? Thank you. I said, yes, would love to sell. By the way, I looked up the property address. I will take $11 million for my property. Please bring a buyer quickly. Gracias, amigo. And then I followed it up with another message that said, that may seem like a lot, but I have a state-of-the-art growing facility that is subterranean. Nailed it. So, a lot going on there. We'll see if uh, we'll see if we get a response to that. I'll, I'll I'll keep you up to date. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, uh, brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Good news. Well, a couple of good news things. Uh, number one, you still got time to get uh, your gear for game day from the Collegiate Collection. Great looking shirts, pullovers. Uh, I suggest you try the Genteel shorts. I love them. I actually have the uh, the Clubhouse Collection pants on today, super lightweight, even when it's warm. They are not hot. Uh, you should try those out. So uh, you got time still to get your um, your Clubhouse or uh, sorry your Collegiate Collection gear uh, between now and the start of football season. Number two, there is an end of season sales event that's going on on their website where you can get up to twenty five percent off select items that are available. Not because they're not any good, just because they got new stuff coming in. They got to, uh, they got to make uh, room, so uh, take advantage of that for savings, and uh, you can get free shipping on your order online as well. Gentileapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Yes, hey Dan. Hmm? You I had that. I'm about to say something. Look, kind of like nodding your head a little bit, and then nothing came out of your mouth. Let's keep it that way. Okay. I, I, I didn't have anything to say. I think Borky wants me to do the college football fix instead of telling you about the Pearl River Resort Studio. So we'll do that in a bit. Right now it's time for the college football fix. Driven by Ford, your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. And don't forget the summer sales event is still going. I mean savings on Ford trucks and SUVs. We'll get to the top 25 in just a second. Curious, did you guys see the tweet from Brett McMurphy earlier today? It was this morning. He says, how committed was the Pac-12 to staying together? Following last Tuesday's meeting with Commissioner George Klyovkov, a Pac-12 president contacted a Big 12 president and asked if the Big 12, quote, could take all nine of us except for Oregon State and Washington State, close quote. A source told Action Network HQ. I mean, that's so Dr. Sorry, Oregon. Not it? you, Oregon State. Not you, Washington State. Not you, random henchman. I feel bad for him. Yeah. Wonder what Pac 12 president that was. Oregon's? Washington's? Yeah, but. Why would they have been trying to move with seven other teams or eight other teams to the Big 12? I don't know. Oregon and Washington don't Big seem Ten likely. Come they were, for yeah, they were doing their Big Ten thing, though. So, anyway, just uh, saw that out there. So, thought I'd share it. Um, coaches poll. USA Today Top 25 preseason coaches poll is out. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Michigan. 
Number three, Alabama. Four, Ohio State. Five, LSU. Let's stop there just for a second. Is, all right, no surprise, Georgia's number one. Right, back-to-back national championships, completely loaded. No surprise. Even though they do not have a returning starting quarterback. Correct. No surprise, Michigan's number two. Blake Corum returning, starting quarterback returning, good defense returning, beat Ohio State a year ago, got to the playoff, bunch of pieces back, no surprise. Are you at all surprised that Alabama's number three? No, they're still Alabama. You can still make a lot of the a lot of the things a lot of the things you just said about Georgia. You can say about Alabama. You know they've got four and five star kids everywhere. Defensively, they bring back a ton of talent. Their quarterback is good. They'll be fine this year. I would have LSU ahead of them. I, I like LSU more than I like Alabama this year. I think LSU wins the West again. But Alabama third does, doesn't 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 surprise me. Alabama lost six starters on offense and six starters on defense. Yeah. Which I guess is not the first time that's happened. It's not. And both coordinators. Yeah. And both coordinators. Yeah. Well, that's certainly not the first time that's happened. Bryce so, Young was just a magician. I, uh, questioning Nick Saban's a fool's errand, but man, I am just not as confident as them bouncing right back and being a title contender after last year's team ended up not being one. And then they lost all that stuff. Next five Southern Cal at six. Have they fixed any of their defensive issues? Penn State at seven. A lot of talent returning. Florida State at eight. Great quarterback. Yep. Marquee matchup right out of the gate. Clemson at nine. Tennessee at number 10. Next five, uh, 11 through 14. You got Washington. I'm sorry, 11 through 15. Washington. Texas at 12, Notre Dame at 13, Utah, back-to-back Pac-12 champs at 14, and Oregon at 15. Mm. Tennessee feels high. Who does? Tennessee. Tennessee at 10 feels high? Feels low. Really? Having them ahead of Washington is not something that I would have done. More known with Washington than Tennessee. Might have might have the the more talented quarterback when it's all said and done at Tennessee. Maybe, got to prove it. We'll Penix see. is proven we'll it see. on the field. No, no, Penix is just proven. You're right. It. You know, you're right. You're right. But you know, we'll see what happens when we get to uh, to December. We will. Uh, at number sixteen, you got the national runner-up from last year, TCU. Kansas State, the reigning Big Twelve champion, is seventeen. Oregon State, who some people have picked second. In the Pac-12 conference at number 18. Oklahoma at 19. Expecting a big bounce back from Oklahoma. That's just bra- that, that's helmet bias. And North Carolina at 20. Mm-hmm. And then your final five in the preseason top 25. First-year head coach Luke Fickle. First-year offensive coordinator Phil Longo. Wisconsin at number 21. A lot of people have really high expectations immediately for Luke Fickle. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. 
one spot behind Wisconsin at 22 is Ole Miss. One spot behind them at 23 is Tulane, the team that beat Southern Cal in the Cotton Bowl a year ago. So that will be a Week 2 top 25 matchup in New Orleans. Unless they lose to South Al in, in Week 1, I guess. But uh, I was thinking about you know Ole Miss's ranking and what that, that means. 22nd ranked SEC team is 8-4 and four territory. That's right. That's, that's right about what rational expectations for them this season are. Texas Tech, who beat Ole Miss in the postseason last year at number 24, and Texas A&M at 25. And honestly, I'm surprised that Texas a and is that low. You know, whether it's helmet bias it's or It's refreshing, though. Else. It's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, is this more bulletin board material for Mississippi State? Not included in the preseason top 25, a team you beat in the final game no, of the don't. regular season is? I don't know how much they put, how much stock they put into that. Probably not. They did receive votes, though, so it's not like they were completely shunned. They, they were, they, they're, they're not far out of this. Yeah. Any, yeah. Uh, at the end any of the major day, qualms? After week five, I think Tennessee is underrated. Um, <sighs> no. I mean, I won't lie. I have Ole Miss seven and five, so I don't have them as a, as a top twenty-five team. But I mean, if they go eight and four, like Borky said, they will be a top twenty-five team. The Egg Bowl is the difference in that. In the others receiving votes category, South Carolina would have been twenty-seven. Florida would have been twenty-eight. Uh, you go down a little bit. You, Kentucky receiving votes. Mississippi State receiving votes. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Mississippi State started... Preseason camp last Friday. They practiced Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and again today. They will go two more days before the first day off of uh, of camp leading up to the start of the season. That first off day for Mississippi State comes this Thursday. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Let's hear from Zach Arnett after practice number four. This was the second in partial pads, right? Shoulder pads and helmets after two days in shorts and shirts. Tomorrow they will begin their work in full pads. All guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. And go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Here was Zach Arnett earlier today after Mississippi State finished up practice number four. How do you think the guys have kind of progressed in camp the last uh, last couple of days? Because you know the first day seemed like you guys were incredibly far away from being ready to play in a football game. I think those were good points. No, I think you're I think you're mistaking. I said it's hard to judge how far you are from playing in a football game when you haven't yet put on shoulder pads. Yeah, and actually, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's mischaracterization. 
nice characterization. <laughs> no, I mean, it's day four camp. Obviously, it's been hot here, right? Uh, so guys are getting acclimated to the weather. Obviously, uh, you know, you get to put on pads after two days, right? You got full pads next is the next progression. And so uh, it takes a little time to get your body in condition for that, right? Football shape is different than meeting a running test, you know, on report day at camp. It just it just is. Every football player knows that. So I've, I've appreciated the effort we're given. All right, I think we try to be try to be physical. Uh, by all means, we do have a long way to go. We got a lot of ways to improve, but that's probably every team in America right now after day four. You got. Um, I know you love competition in camp or spring practice, whenever it is. You love guys pushing each other. And I know it's still early in camp, but it seems like that back and forth competition that Sam linebacker between JP and John has continued in the early stages of camp, and, and, and both those guys pushing each other. Yeah, those guys come out to work, right? They've done a nice job. Obviously, they got. I mean. Replacing Tyrus Wheat and obviously all the different hats he wore in our defense the last couple of years is going to be a, a challenge. Um, but they've certainly come to work, right? And we're throwing everything at them. Uh, you know, the thing to keep in mind too is they're not just battling each other for that job. They're battling. They're battling the defensive ends for are we better off in a, a an odd defense or are we better off in an even defense, right? I mean, yeah, you got to get your best eleven players on the field. So if we can get four D linemen who bring give us more than playing with a Sam linebacker, all right, that's that's on the table too. Speaking of competition, I mean, those guys in the secondary losing a couple of them headlined by Forbes. What do you think of kind of that group so far through through a couple days, and what are you expecting to see from them? Yeah, you know, first couple days, obviously you don't have a pass rush, right, because you can't hit and really rush back. So uh, I was pretty nervous, right? I mean, we got we to gotta replace a lot of snaps back there between Forbes and all the amazing things he did, right? But Really, I probably didn't sing their praises enough. Colin Duncan and Jalen Green in the safety position. You know, Jackie Matthews. We lost all three all three safeties who played probably the majority of the reps. You got Sean coming back. He's played a bunch of reps too, so that's good to have some veteran presence there. But, yeah, we, we are inexperienced in the back end, and that is extremely concerning as a coach. Uh, you, don't, you don't sleep very well at night if you're a secondary coach or myself right now because the fast way to lose, lose a game is big plays, explosive plays through the air, right? Uh, and so we are having to develop some experience and quality of play in a hurry because teams are better at throwing and catching the football than ever before in the history of football right now. It's been aired out and spread out all over the field. So uh, we got a young secondary who's going to get challenged early and often. What kind of advice would you kind of give guys like that, you know, that are, if, if you're worried about it and wanting them to be, you know, ready in, in a short period of time, is there any kind of advice or, or anything like that you give Take your D line. I take your pass rush out to dinner every now and then. Right? Make sure they're ready to go because that's your, probably your best friend as a secondary guy. Is a good pass rush. Sticking on the lines of competition with uh, wide receivers who are maybe borderline starter, borderline you know, uh, backup guys. What are you looking for for them to sort of maybe break through that that starting wall and, and, and crack the, the starting line? I guess. Yeah. Well, I think our officer coaches obviously do a good job of knowing what every guy's strength is, right? And so you can kind of individualize certain plays or schemes for them you know uh, some guys are better point of attack right and create movement in the run game other guys maybe more backside cutoff some guys give you more in certain areas of the pass game than others right and so uh, I mean obviously competition if you got a well-rounded guy it makes it great right we got a couple well-rounded guys but everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses and so we're figuring out that and I would repeat the same thing that I said about the same linebackers all those tight ends are under the same challenge well they're they're competing with either the fourth receiver or maybe a second running back in the game, right? I mean, if we're if you're best with four wideouts on the game going ten personnel, you're going to do that. If you're best in twenty personnel and putting a second running back, 
right? You can run all those same run schemes with another running back and get to the same pass concepts. So and that's the challenge in front of all of us as coaches right now. You're four days in. You can't make final decisions about who your best 11 are, but every day you get a little bit more info and a little bit more film to, you know, to make that evaluation. We're trying to figure out who the best personnel is on the field to give us the best chance to, to win. Well, I know the line is wide receiver. Um, Freddie Robertson got here last month, and obviously he's played a lot of college snaps. But mm-hmm. How is he adapting to, to this level so far? Oh, he's doing good. Yeah, I mean, he's doing well. I had a little bit of a, you know, I think he got stepped on his toe or something yesterday that I think probably most guys would have would have happily took today off and he was he ran out there and said no nah, coach I'm going so you certainly appreciate that you like you like tough guys in a receiver room uh I, I think our wideout group's done a good job in general of running routes hard getting out of their breaks and then obviously trying to be a factor in the blocking in the run game too so that's been good what's it like to have been having Jaden Wally he's been around a, a long time his leadership is seen probably every coverage you could say just talk about his yeah he actually he's done he's done a good job it seems like Every rep I've seen him in, it seems like he's given everything he's got on that particular play, which is uh, easy for some guys to start to sacrifice that effort a little bit at this point in camp, right? It's, it's been hot. It's humid. It, you're tired. Your body's sore. It's easy to kind of just give 85% on a rep, but he seems to always be giving 100%. And I'm, I, he's played a lot of football. I mean, obviously, he's going to be a huge factor in what we do offensively. You obviously have the strong ties to the 3-3-5, but you've mentioned a lot even today about the you know maybe playing some four-man front and and things like that. Coach Turner's talked about that too. When did that become kind of a strong topic of conversation for y'all defensively? Oh, I've talked about that all every year I've been here. Is if it's the best option, we'll do it. Now we've happened to have Tyrus Wheat the last couple of years, and so uh, it's played to our strengths to have have three linebackers on the field. Uh, you know, I, I didn't get the chance to be here in, in 2018, but I guarantee you, I would have been a I would have been a four four down guy that year if I had you know those D linemen. So uh, yeah. Speaking of that too, the linebackers. I mean, you've been a big part too of building that group and a lot of talented guys that are a little bit younger. But what's your thoughts on the guys underneath the Bookies and Jet Johnsons and JP guys like that? I think they have a great opportunity to look at the guys who are older than them who are playing the majority of snaps and see what it takes physically, mentally, everything to pre- get yourself prepared to play at this level and in this league. You know, physically what you have to do, you got to be big enough, you got to be strong enough, you got to be fast enough. And then if you're a linebacker, you're involved in the front, you're involved in the coverage, obviously all the different blitz packages. All right, so that takes a lot of preparation, a lot of stuff just outside the practice field. And uh, right now, those guys have an opportunity to learn from two vets who can mentor them and show them exactly what needs to be done. It's just whether they decide to take that opportunity or not. When you talk about those day-to-day adjustments from what you see on film and in practice each day, um, with how you process that as a coach, has that changed compared from when you were a defensive coordinator to head coach, or is this sort of the same, I guess, strategy that you handle that way? Well, I'm involved on the defensive talk still some. So, I mean, some of this stuff is schematic, right? We talk, oh, the offense ran this play, and it torched us, right? We got to... Find a way to account for that. That's kind of normal, everyday, just football. X and O's. Obviously, uh, now I have to evaluate how we look as a team. Right? Are we getting enough reps? Uh, did we maybe push them a little too far? And it looks like we, our quality of works, you know, dropped off a little bit. So, um, you know, you have to make those decisions, obviously, too. So I'm doing more of that now than I did the last couple of years. Right? Someone else got to make those decisions. But yeah, it's it's exciting. It's fun to do. 
So that was Zach Arnett after practice today, Mississippi State, with four practices in the book. You heard Zach Arnett say there at the beginning that they will be full pads tomorrow, and uh, certainly he is looking forward to that. Hey, Dad, out of all the questions in that eight minutes or so, I don't think I heard a single question about the quarterback position. <laughs> is it just Will Rogers, it's old hat, you kind of think you know what you're yeah. going to get there, and he's probably not going to tell you a and whole lot about And they talked to Rodgers. They made Rodgers available the other day, so you had a chance to talk to him. But, yeah, I mean, everybody knows what this, this is different from Ole Miss. Everybody knows Will Rodgers is going to be the quarterback. Everybody knows that. And what, what Mike Wright is going to provide the offense, I don't think Mississippi State's willing to give up those details uh, just yet. also want to point out, beginning of that, that's John Sokoloff make, making trouble yet again. Mischaracterization. Mischaracterization. Can't trust that guy. Should you clarify the fact that you're joking just for the sake of clarification? I told, I told him, I was like, buddy, if you don't think I'm going to say this on the radio, you don't know me at all. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll take a quick timeout. We're back with you. More after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, right here in C Spire country. Um Anything else that stood out for you guys that Zach Arnett said just a second ago? Uh, yeah, that, that interview goes on uh, a little bit longer. Uh, didn't We can't play the full clip. I think it's like 15, 16 minutes. And he gets asked about experience. And obviously, you know, he gives the, the, the quip answer first, which I'd rather have it than not. But the way he answers it, especially when he's talking about his defensive line and his offensive line, He's, he talks about how difficult you know it is for true freshmen. And I, I thought back to Texas A&M, you know, a year ago. Yeah, they had four or five four-star, five-star kids right there on the on the defensive line, but they were all freshmen. And they got pushed around for most of the year. And Mississippi State has Jaden Crumney is, is in his what his fifth year at Mississippi State. Pickering is in his fourth. Demonte Russell is in I think his fifth year, maybe his sixth year. Jordan Davis is his third year, but he was a JUCO guy, so that's five years away from high school for him. Watson and Johnson are are are, are fifth or sixth year guys on the offensive line. Cole Smith, Cam Cam Jones, uh, Lasoya was at Middle Tennessee State for a couple years before he came to Mississippi State. Dollar Bill, I mean, these are these aren't kids; these are men, you know, 23, 24 year old guys, and you know that that makes a difference for Mississippi State. Mississippi State will never have. A lineup full of four and five star guys, 
But what they can have are, are teams like this. And, and, you know, obviously COVID plays a role in that. You know, and that's why you have so many fifth and sixth year guys. But that's when state teams are going to be at their best, when they have a bunch of juniors and seniors dominating the depth chart. They're never going to be the team that has, you know, a bunch of freshmen that come in and contribute right away. But when a team like this that has this much experience, that's why I'm high on them this year because they've got so many guys who have just been doing it the past two, three years. Anything for you, Bort? Uh, two things. The the secondary seemed uh, a little concerned there, and it, that's not something new. It's it's a lot of new faces, and he's generally a pessimist uh, by nature anyway if you listen to him enough. He, he's not really happy with anything ever, so maybe there's nothing to read in there, but uh, him pointing out that you know if you're not sound in the secondary, I, I loved the line of it's the fastest way to lose a football game. Give up an explosive play in the back end of your defense. And uh, um, I almost asked him if it was the fastest way to win a football game as well. Just wanted to find out if the inverse hmm. was true. And getting away from the the defense that that got him the job, uh, essentially. I mean that 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 was his bread and butter, and that's what he brought to Mississippi State. And, and the depth. Uh, and the availability of, of defensive linemen has him thinking that, you know, maybe I should run some even fronts because I got the guys that can run some even fronts here. That is interesting. Uh, getting a, a away from kind of his bread and butter and, and evolving. It's not a bad thing. It's coaches evolve. The evolution of, of Zach Arnett going to uh, an even front, as he called it. We talk about this a lot. That's the focus of tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast of of. Yeah, you know, what does that defense look like if they if they were to be more of a four man front? But the thing I took away was you think about a year ago, and and I hate to you know make it sound like it's a negative, right? But Mike Leach was married to what he was doing. There was no evolution. There was no I might need to change things up because of my personnel. It's like this is what we're going to run, come hell or high water. To hear Zach Arnett, uh, you talk about maybe we need to do this, even though he's a rocky long three three five you know guy at heart. I don't know if refreshing is the right word because it, makes, it puts like a negative connotation on the leech, but it's something. It's it's something different that Mississippi State fans haven't gotten out of the head coach. You know, really you go back even further. I mean, Moorhead was the same way. Moorhead was very much this is my system. This is what I'm going to do. I don't care if Nick Fitzgerald's running the ball for eight yards a clip. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to try to make him a passer. We're not going to change out our personnel, and you see you see where it got him. So. Good to hear a head coach talk about you know being able to adapt. So we got a question on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. said, how accurate was last year's preseason coaches poll? And I'm not sure I've made the numbers work exactly. I looked um, at it, too. I'm not sure if I'm right either. All right, so I've got 12 teams – that were not ranked in the preseason poll that finish ranked. So, so preseason number one was Alabama. They finished fifth. Mm-hmm. Preseason number two was Ohio State. They finished fourth. Georgia was three. They won it all. Clemson was four. They finished 12th. Notre Dame was five. Notre Dame finished at 18. Michigan was six. Michigan finished third. Texas A&M started the season seventh. <laughs> they finished unranked. They, they started the season ranked seventh. 
and then they lost seven games. Yeah. True statement. One of which to Appalachian State at home. Utah was preseason number eight. They finished 11th. Oklahoma was ranked in the preseason number nine. Jeez. They did not finish the season with a number beside their name. Uh, Baylor was 10. Baylor finished outside the top 25. Oklahoma State was preseason 11, unranked. Baylor was 10? They, they were coming off a Sugar Bowl win. Yeah. I mean, they came off a nine-win season. They brought back they brought back a good bit, too. Just, yeah, with a bunch back on that defense and a starting quarterback returning. Um, Oregon started the season 12. They finished 16. NC State was 13. They finished unranked. Michigan State was 14. Oof. They finished unranked. Get them out. They, they were terrible. Yep. Southern Cal started the season ranked 15th, and they finished the year ranked 13th. Had they not lost to Tulane in the Cotton Bowl, they would have been a, they would have finished the year top 10. Um, Pittsburgh started the season ranked 16th, and they finished 22nd, went nine and four. Yeah. My, Miami was 17 in the preseason. Nope. They did not. They were not ranked at the end of the year. Uh, Texas was preseason number 18. They went 8-5 and five and finished number 25. The last six were Wake Forest at 19, Wisconsin at nope. 20, Kentucky nope. at 21, Cincinnati nope. at 22, Arkansas nope. at 23, Ole Miss nope. at 24, Houston at nope. 25. Wow. Nope. All right, now here's the other piece of this. Teams that started the season unranked, but finished in the top 25. TCU 2. Yeah. When you say it like that. Yeah. Hold on a second. Uh, There's one that I missed. TCU 2. Tennessee 6. Started the season unranked. Penn State 7. Washington, 8. Tulane, 9. Florida State, 10. So that's 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 in the final rankings. Started the season unranked. And 2. And 2. Kansas State at 14. You remember the hubbub about LSU not being ranked in the preseason a year ago for the first time in forever? They finished 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State, 17. Mississippi State, 19, Troy, 20, UCLA, 21, and South Carolina, 23. So that is... It's an inexact science? Is that what you're trying to tell me? 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. It's 13 teams that started the season unranked that finished the year in the top 25. That's why it's called predictions and not guarantees. Yeah. Conversation fodder, nothing more. Uh, who could this year's TCU be? An unranked team that makes the playoff. Not that you think it's going to happen. Who, who could it be? It's so difficult to predict because nobody on their, in their right mind says TCU a year ago. Uh, I 
I don't know. You're you're one vote away from getting to say Texas A and M. Yeah, but I don't see that happening. Yeah. Unranked to start yeah. the year. Yeah, Kansas State is seventeenth, so that, can, that can, would be I mean, one that they're ranked. When we say this year's TCU, we don't necessarily mean playing in the national championship. Game, right. right. We're yeah. just talking about right. you know. If somebody were to do it, who would it be? I need to see the list of receiving votes so I can I can see who Better I'm missing gauge, here. Yeah. I mean, like, what if BYU has a quarterback that we don't really know about, and they have done that in the past, and they just come out and they they're they're good. I mean, UCF plays in the Big Twelve now. UCF, John Rice to the playoff. Ooh. Oh, the ladies in Madison. Ooh. Sports Talk Mississippi coming back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Nothing could be better than this. What? On Super Talk Mississippi. You're looking for a new truck, especially an F-150. Then Belk Ford in Oxford is the place for you. They're located on Highway 6 West, just west of the Jackson Avenue interchange as you were coming into town. Good selection. I drove through a lot uh, this weekend. A bunch of F-150s available right now. There are a couple of expeditions that are out there. Uh, the best financing available for you. Great service after the sale, sale and a family atmosphere at Belk Ford. Well, and why not? They have been a family company since uh, their inception in the automobile industry over 100 years ago and a Ford dealership since 1961. Whether you need a, uh, a new truck as we roll toward hunting season and you got to have something to pull a trailer with a tractor on it or you're just looking to uh, look good on the road and have something that you're going to drive comfortably with uh, reasonably good gas mileage, they got you covered. Belk Ford, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Stop by. You can visit them online at belkford.net or stop by and see them in person. And tell them we sent you Sports Talk Mississippi. Borky, I took your question very seriously. As you and, should. Uh, and uh, I, I, I worked my way through all of the teams, and I have the answer. The team that could be last year's TCU. All right, so there were a couple of teams that I eliminated. Got to be unranked. And I looked at a couple of SEC teams. I was like, yeah, it's, it can't be the SEC. Because you're going to pick somebody in the East, and they got to play Georgia, and they got to play Tennessee. So Kentucky can't be that yeah. team this year, regardless pick, of how yeah. good Devin Leary is. Right. Agreed. So they got to come from a conference where they can really make some noise. Was there anybody in the Pac-12? No, nobody that's unranked that feels like they can do that in the Pac-12. I don't think there's anybody that's unranked in the Big Ten that can navigate the top of that. So you either go to the Big 12 again, Texas Tech maybe. Ah, Texas Tech ranked number 24, so they're not eligible. Maybe you want to go Baylor, but I have the answer. The answer comes from the ACC. The answer is the Louisville Cardinals. Yes. Louisville went 8-5 last year, and they finished it off with a win over Cincinnati in the Fenway Bowl. Here's Louisville's schedule. Here's why it could be Louisville. They open with Georgia Tech on Friday night in Atlanta. Murray State, Indiana in Indianapolis, Boston College, 
Tough road game on September 29th at NC State, but it's not like that's the, the Green Bay Packers. They get Notre Dame at home. They go to Pittsburgh. Could be a tough spot. Then an open date. Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, at Miami, Kentucky. Why could it be Louisville? Their non-conference schedule shouldn't be a problem. They don't play Florida State in the regular season. They don't play Clemson in the regular season. That's the reason Louisville could be this year's TCU. And remember, TCU lost the conference championship game last year to Kansas State. They did. And they still got in with one loss. Now, if Louisville were to run the table with this schedule and then lose to Florida State or Clemson convincingly in the ACC title game, I'm not sure they could get in because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of meat on the bone with that schedule. But to me, that's the team that is not ranked this year that could replicate what TCU did a year ago primarily because of their schedule. And they'll have to do it with a, with a new quarterback. No Malik Cunningham. And Malik Cunningham is still the quarterback? I'd absolutely be that, but they'd probably be preseason top 25 if they were. So Yeah, that's true. Tell me why I'm right. All right, we... It's a good choice. We got through the show today without a uh, without a brawl, so we're doing better than LSU does today. Yeah. So Malik Neighbors got sent to the locker room. Yeah. So did uh, Perkins. Was Harold, Harold Perkins, Perkins didn't removed from practice, to practice too? They were just reenacting the Montgomery River battle. I mean, it's no big deal. Just Who just like the a pontoon uh, boat. Be- By all accounts, That's a trick Brian, question in Louisiana. Yeah, by by all accounts, Brian Kelly, not happy. Not a happy happy camper after that. I can believe. I mean, it's it. right. You have scuffles. You have skirmishes in camp. Right, it happens. You don't have you a don't, pier six altercation like this. Yeah, you really don't want maybe maybe the preseason SEC defensive player of the year, and perhaps your most explosive wide receiver. Yeah. You don't really want them involved, do you? No, I can't say that you do. Do we know if it was those two going at each other? I don't know, but I knew that they were taken off the field. They didn't play. They didn't practice anymore. Yeah, so I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of it eventually. Uh, Borky told you at the beginning of the show, 19 days away from college football starting. We are also three days away from week one of the NFL preseason with a couple of games on Thursday, a couple of games on Friday, a bunch on Saturday, a bunch on Sunday as well. Thank you for being with us on this Monday afternoon, start of a new week. We'll do it again tomorrow, 2 o'clock, right here in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.